Yes, Lord, come on, let's worship him tonight. Hallelujah. 
here I am, Lord. Tell it all. Hallelujah. Amen. If you love the Lord tonight, give him another hand clap of praise. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. We welcome those that are here tonight uh, in the house of the Lord. Uh, thank you for being here. We want to welcome those that are watching by means of the live stream as well. And um, welcome you uh, that, um, that are watching by live stream. Uh, our, um, uh, hopefully our first lady is watching tonight. She figured out how to get it cut on. She's having the puppy set. Uh, we picked a little chihuahua up from the animal hospital today and um, got to kind of keep a tight rein on him for about a week or say. But um, uh, we want to welcome everybody. And we're going to start off tonight um, with a, uh, a great testimony, and um, I'm going to ask Sister Angie to come up here. I want you to come up here because I'm going to give you a microphone, and I want, because I want everybody at home, amen, to be able to um, to hear this. Praise Hello. God. See what you folks at home are missing? Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, uh, if you don't, when you hear that, if you don't think that's not a God thing, you, your thinking's wrong. I mean, since um, uh, there's $15,000 uh, and uh, they don't have the have insurance, and uh, 
no way to do that. You got people praying, calling out to God, and they called back and they said, you don't have to pay it nothing up front and the balance is going to be zero. Well, I'll tell you what, that's great. Hey, God will take care of you if you take care of him. Hmm? Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! My, 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 my. Hallelujah. He done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And we're going to believe the Lord that um, when he takes the test, that there won't be no blockage. Um, just trust him. But we want God to um, uh, move his heart as well because there's a lot of things that are happening that God's trying to get his attention. Amen. And we need to pray that God, amen, will intervene with that. Amen. So uh, that's our first prayer request tonight. Remember that. And um, um, I um, I got to go myself and do what uh, my specialist calls emergency um, CAT scan. I did a had a CAT scan done a little while back. Um, it's a, um, a yearly thing on um, uh, a growth that I got on my adrenal gland. And I've been doing this now probably for four or five years because they found it four or five years ago with one of the spells I had with kidney stones that I had a growth on my adrenal gland. And it hadn't been growing. Well, the la um, uh, last doctor I seen, um, saw him, he said, everything's fine. And he told me, he said, you, you did you have some kidney stones in your kidney. Uh, but uh, yesterday I had to go to my um, endocologist, my diabetes specialist. I don't, I don't see her but once every six months. And um, when she come in uh, into the examination room, before she mentioned anything about my A1C level or sugar, all that stuff, she said, you've got to have a CAT scan. I said, CAT scan? She said, yes. She said, I'm looking at your, um, your, your CAT scan. She said, the last few years, there's not been a major growth. She said, but, but uh, the, pa the past uh, 12 to 15 months or so, it's been doubling in size. Uh, and said, which is a, a reason to concern and so we may be looking at um, uh, some type of surgery in the near future. Um, so, um, um, they, so they can get me in. I'm, I've never done it on a Saturday, but I'm going to be going on a Saturday at the uh, Springfield Hospital to do a CAT scan at 9 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so um, request your prayers on that, that God will uh, be with me on that. Anybody else got a prayer request tonight? Any prayer requests? Let's remember uh, Brother Randy in, uh, in our prayers. He got pneumonia. We want to pray that God will touch him. Amen. Yes. All right. Let's remember Sister Sharon and, and Lane and pray that God will clear this up. Entering in the time of the year where people's 
has to deal with allergies is really bad. All right. You can go back and pray. Yes, sister. and also continuing at 6 o'clock. Anybody else? Any other questions? What about unspoken requests? Come up with your hands. Yes, if anybody has unspoken requests, uh, pray for our Bible class tonight. God wants you to open up the door of revelation and give us understanding of his word. Then we're going to ask God's blessing uh, on our offering that we've been um, uh, received. Um, Bless it. Those of you watching online, you can go to our website, ChristFamilyChurchNashville.org, and uh, donate there. Uh, we recently, uh, we recently made a um, um, a don five hundred dollar donation out of our Deacon Fund to somebody uh, that requested it was in need, and uh, so we want to get our Deacon Fund built back up. Uh, so then, let's just pray for that. Let's all stand together tonight. Father, we come to you right now in your blessed mighty name. We thank you and we praise you, God, for the privilege to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the wonderful testimony, God, knowing that you answer all prayers. And, God, you're not only the heat of our bodies, but you supply every need. That's what Jehovah Jireh is, is a provider, God, and that means everything. You provide everything that we need. And we bring these prayer requests before you right now, Lord, asking you, God, to touch God in behalf of each and every one of us. Bless her often tonight. Bless the gift and the giver. In the mighty, blessed name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. God bless you as you give, as you come, and then greet one another in the Lord. Hallelujah.
you got to Well, God's good. And all the time, give them a hand clap for you this evening. Hallelujah. Well, um, we have missed two weeks in a row, um, uh, which is not good um, when we are doing a series. Uh, because we have to kind of get our minds reprogrammed and look back uh, where we have uh, come from. Um, one uh, one week we had Brother Davis from India uh, here, and uh, then uh, of course last week we had the missions conference. Oh, I got a, I got another praise report. We were rejoicing over $122,000, but the last few days, more money has come in over a line, and there's a grand total of over $128,000 raised for missions. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's just fantastic. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's get into um, our lesson tonight. Um, <laughs> I want to um, kind of back up a little bit uh, and the, what we have been talking about. We have shown through the scriptures that uh, man is a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And we have proved that the body is the only thing that dies. We done covered all that, but I I'm, I'm just want to refresh us so we can move on. Uh, we One of the things that we are in the image of God is we are uh, an um, uh, eternal spirit. And um, you're... Uh, soul is going to live forever somewhere. Amen. It's going to live forever somewhere. Uh, and we, uh, we've talked about that. Now, we begin to get into uh, uh, the various uh, things about, uh, about uh, uh, the afterlife and where um, uh, the spirit goes and we ended in our last, and I believe it was, we talked about the Hebrew concept of Sheol. Um, that is um, um, how it's pronounced in the Old Testament. You don't, that's, that's the word that you find, Sheol, in the Hebrew. Uh, and we talked about that. We're going to begin tonight, and I've got, do have you some pictures, but I had to, Put them so small, you probably can't see see them all that well. But we're going to begin tonight talking about Hades. And look at your um, handout, and those of you that are watching online, you just kind of have to. I will try to talk as slow as I can, and uh, that you can um, understand. But Hades is the New Testament Greek equivalent for Sheol in the Old Testament. 
So Sheol and Hades is basically the same place. Just the Hebrew word is Sheol. The Greek word is Hades. Now most people associate the word hell and Hades as being the same. But you've got to understand the context of which the word is used and the original wording to understand the correct meaning of it. I think this is interesting here, what I've got printed in your handout, and just read right along with me. The term hell is found 23 times in the New Testament in the King James Version. 23 times you will find the word hell in the King James Version. But out of those times, there are three different Greek words which were utilized. So, every time when you're in the New Testament, anywhere from Matthew to Revelation, you see the word hell if you're reading in the King James. And the, the New King James is, is the same. Uh, sometimes the Greek word, if you look it up, is Hades. But then other times it's Gehenna. And then there's another word, Tartarus. All being translated into the English word hell. Amen. As I told you before, when you got you got a word that uh, you're reading in, the, in your language, but yet in the original language there are three different words, but yet the translators for some reason, decided to use this word, the word hell, it will confuse you. And you've got to be willing to take the time. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. Not read. It does, it does not say read to make you show yourself approved unto God. It says study. Amen. How many understand there's a difference in reading and studying? Amen. And we should never take anything at face value. Search it out. Amen. Matter of fact, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there's a scripture coming to my mind that Jesus told the people back in that day. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you got eternal life. Amen. So, if we're interested in truth, if we're interested to have a, a correct understanding, we need to take the time to study it out. So, anytime in the King James Version you see that word hell, understand it's three different Greek words, Hades, Gehenna, and Tartarus. And each Greek word has a different meaning. It's not all the same. The Greek word Hades is translated hell ten times. Ten times that you find the word hell in the New Testament, it means Hades in the King James. And grave once, one time, 
it's translated grave. Most recent transliterate, um, uh, transliterate the term, bringing it directly into English as Hades. In other words, some of your newer versions of the, of the Bible does not use the word hell, but if it means Hades, it says Hades. And if it means Gehenna, it brings it out. You will find that in a really good study Bible. You have to, you know, pay a little bit more to get one, but um, you need to at least have a Bible that's got footnotes in it. At least if, if the word is hell in, in the text, you've got a footnote down there to tell you Hades. Or, uh, I have a um, uh, Thompson chain, and I've got a Schofield both. Both of them are good um, uh, uh, study Bibles, and they have the footnotes in them, and they, and they give you this information. Uh, so ten times hell is translated in grave once. Most recent versions transliterate the term, bring it directly into English as Hades. Most biblical scholars and teachers suggest that the word is derived of two root words, not and seen. So, Hades in the Greek is a compound word. What we talked, if you remember being taught talked about compound words in, in the English which in school. Um, in the Greek, Hades is a compound word, making up of not and seen, thus meaning a place or region not seen. Amen. That's what it refers to in the original Greek. I've a place or region not seen. Now, the scriptures seem to give reference, and here's where, to me, it really gets interesting. Man, I, I get into this. I love this. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I do. The scriptures seem to give reference to Sheol and Hades, which we're talking about a place of departed spirits, a place that's not seen, that we can't see, we can't observe, as consistent of two regions being separated by a great chasm. Now, when I say that, I, I put it in parentheses. Think about that. This may be a little vague, but it's the best I could do to get you to understand. Think about the Grand Canyon. Think about that. One section which holds the spirits of the wicked dead, or the lost, and the other holding the righteous dead, all of whom waiting for the consummation of all things. So, Hades, uh, or Sheol, especially uh, in the Old Testament, is a place for all disembodied spirits go after death. And one thing I'm trying to point out, and I want you to understand, uh, you know, that um, nobody is in the lake of fire right now and nobody's walking down streets of gold. They're in the intermediate place or state till after Jesus comes 
and the judgment takes place. But that does not mean, just because nobody is not in a lake of fire, doesn't mean that some people are not going through torment, because some people are. Amen. And we're going to bring that out. So now we're in the New Testament, Hades, a huge, it's a huge place, and like Sheol, it's considered as being down, not being up, being down. That's important. We brought that out when we studied Sheol. Um, it's divided into two parts, two halves, with a great big gulf or chasm in between that separates. And to give a good illustration of what I'm saying, we're going to go to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And I got it printed out. For those of you watching at home, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 28. I want to to read this this parable. And uh, for those of you that are here, I want you to notice as we read, I've got some words in bold um, um, uh, text that I want you to look at when we come to it. There was a certain man, rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels unto first bold fonts right here. I, I, I made him bold. Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, here's one of the words, uh, one of the uh, 23 times the word hell is mentioned in the King James. In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off. Notice, he saw afar off. He was able to see where he was to another place. Let's continue to read. And Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great guff fix, that chasm I was talking about, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Just lets us know that once your spirit leaves your body, 
your destination is going to be permanent. It's going to be permanent. It can't pass. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would ascend into my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I heard a powerful message preached by a minister one time. He titled it, One in Hell and Five on the Way. Uh, my, my. So there, there's a little bit more to that parable, but that, that, that right there covers what we're going to be tonight. Uh, in this parable, Jesus tells us a story about two people who live on the opposite side of the tracks here in life. You know, they're on different sides of the tracks. One of them is extremely rich. One of them is extremely poor. The first man Jesus named Lazarus, who was a poor, sickly beggar. The second man in the story, Jesus didn't even credit this man with a name. Think about that. Just referred to him as a rich man who had everything he could ever possibly dream of while in this life. While in this life, he had everything he could possibly dream of. If you have done study of uh, the uh, customs and the manners and the things back in that day, um, you, will, you will know that only the exceptionally, and I use the word exceptionally, rich people back in that day could afford purple. Purple was an expensive thing. Um, and you see somebody coming in with purple, It'd be about like today you'd see somebody coming in with decked out with diamonds and rubies in our time. Um, I mean, purple was extremely valuable, and only only the exceptionally wealthy um, could own it. Um, Jesus didn't give this man even a name when you when you come up with this story. This man was selfish and cared not for the plight of others. Now, I want to make this because very seldom when I hear this parable do I, do I hear taught and preached on the main purpose of it. Uh, everybody that uses this parable usually goes one way. Look at what I got printed here in your handout. The main point of this story is not the afterlife as many suppose. Jesus talks about the afterlife, and he mentions it's a part of the story, but it's not, it's not the main purpose that Jesus told this story. Uh, even though the uh, afterlife is dealt with, the main point is that God does care how we treat others. We are our brother's keeper. This is what God was telling the Pharisees that were in the crowd that day. That's why Jesus came up with this parable. Because those Pharisees, those religious idiots, I'll call them, is all the time pointing their finger, judging everybody else and saying, you know, you need, you know, look at me, look at me. When they didn't even live what they preached. 
Amen. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't stoop to help somebody out unless they was going to get credit for it. You know, and Jesus ta- told this parable to all of those Pharisees to let them know God cares how you treat people. This man uh, ended up in a place of torment. Why? It don't say that he was a, a real big sinner. It don't say he was a liar. It don't say he was a thief. None of those things. The only thing about him as he ignored Lazarus that was laid at his gate every day and was begging just for just for the crumbs. Let me have the crumbs that fall from the table from the big feast that you have. And that was the whole point. Jesus cares how we treat people. And the Bible tells us under Apostle Paul, Sister Kathy says, as much as you have opportunity to do good to all men, especially those who are of what? The household of faith. Amen. We especially need to treat our brothers and sisters, you know, very, very good. But he said, do good unto all men. So that was the purpose. Now let's go back and break it down a little bit. You know, maybe in, in this, if I don't cover maybe a question you might have, you could raise your hand and I'll try to deal with it. The rich man lifted his eyes in hell. Now you can go to any Strong's exhaustive concordance you want to, and uh, this word translated hell is Hades which is a temporary abode of, of disembodied spirits. So we're talking about Hades. We're not talking about the lake of fire or the eternal torment, but Hades, this temporary place. We go on the back. Also, we find Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom was there as Jesus spoke of until Jesus died. Until he died, until he gave his life. Um, Abraham's bosom, a region in Hades of rest and peace in contrast to the torment the rich man was experiencing. Before the death of Christ, get this, and Listen close to you people online, please. Before the death of Christ, Abraham's bosom was where Jewish people went who followed the law as best they could. Everybody went to Hades. There's one place for departed spirits. Not three like the Catholics say. You ever Anybody ever heard Catholics and they talk about purgatory? That's, 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 that's a phony, fake place. Amen. The Catholics teach that if you're a baptized believer uh, and uh, you're not quite perfect and quite right, you're going to go to purgatory uh, and, and, and stay and suffer a little while till you pay for your sins that you have. You know, basically, you know, there's, there's more to it than that. Uh, but there ain't no such thing as purgatory. Purgatory is not in the Bible. There's one place. 
um, Hades, but it's two, two compartments with a great gulf fixed between. And one thing that causes the suffering is those that in, in the suffering part can actually see those that's in rest. My, my. Think about that. Uh, so Abraham's bosom was a region in Hades of rest and peace in contrast to the torment the rich man was experiencing. The great gulf or chasm, separation barrier in Hades between the place of peace and the place of torment. Notice, notice something here now. When, when the rich man looked across that gulf in the great in the distance, he saw Abraham. He didn't see God. He didn't see no angels. Think about that. Think about what he didn't see. Hades is 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 down. And even though Abraham's bosom was the better side of Hades, the place of peace and people were resting, yet it was not up. It was not heaven. It was not paradise. Amen. He did, you know, Abraham is, which that representation, I mean, you know, that's, what all Jewish people would be looking forward to in the Old Testament, you know, I got to make Abraham's bosom, and that that phrase Abraham's bosom, by the way, means uh, Abraham's side, by his side. In it, uh, Abraham, he was the father of the Jewish people, um, and that's that's what they they looked forward to. So Lazarus didn't see God because he was not yet in the third heaven. And we're going to get to this, and I hope it's going to excite you. We probably won't get to it tonight in our lesson tonight, but praise God. Oh, my Lord, just me thinking about it, I want to jump off my off this seat and run. All right. Uh, he was not in the third heaven. Hades is down just as we mentioned about Sheol. Okay. Uh, I've got three pictures here. We're going to talk about next Gehenna, but has anybody got any questions about Hades before I move to Gehenna? All right. Let's move. The three pictures that I've got deals with this word Gehenna. Gehenna originally was a valley west and south of Jerusalem where where children were burned and sacrifices to the Ammonite god Moloch. And that's the center picture that you see there. Uh, This is was the original in the Old Testament times one of the false gods now think about this this is how far off 
the Jewish people got away from God, even though he did so many great things for them, parting the Red Sea and, and all of that. But they, they didn't obey God. They didn't destroy all the heathen gods when they got in the land of promise. They let some of them stay. And just like God said, they're going to be thorns in your flesh. And they were. They didn't wipe them out. God wanted them to wipe them out because God knew that they would. Let me tell you something. What you, mm, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. What you don't eliminate in your life that rules, if you don't eliminate it, sooner or later it will rule you. Amen. Look at this picture. I have I have studied Moloch. And there's a statue of him. And this was a metal statue um, that they would mold and they would make. And he's standing there with his arms like this. Let me tell you how, look how bad this is. I mean, Lord of mercy. There was a hollow container behind him. And they built a huge fire. And this whole big image was red hot. Now, I'm old enough, I remember the old potbelly stoves that would get just cherry red. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I, I was in a uh, somebody's home when I was a kid uh, in a prayer meeting, cottage prayer meeting, and uh, the people who lived there had had one of them uh, set up in the living room, one of them old pot belly stoves, and they had it stoked up with coal. That thing almost glued, uh, glowed red. Out there was one lady begin to dance and shout, and she fell out and didn't didn't hit the stove, but she had danced all the, the bobby pins out of her hair, and her hair came loose laid across that hot stove and it didn't even singe it. She was under the control of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Think about it. It didn't even singe your hair. Man, that's powerful. Uh, and that's what this big idol was. And it, they would heat that far up behind there until this thing would glow red. And they would take babies and sacrifice them babies to this God. They would actually lay a small baby in the arms of this thing, red hot with heat. Terrible. Terrible. That's what went on in this valley back in the Old Testament times. Um Children were burned as sacrifices to the Ammonite god Moloch. Now, Gehenna is derived from the Hebrew word hinnom. Uh, Ronnie mentioned some of this a few weeks back, if I'm not mistaken, in a message, didn't you? Talked a little bit about it. Um, or the valley of hinnom. This valley was a detestable place to God's people. God refers to it as the valley of slaughter 
in Jeremiah 7, 31, 32. You can look that up on your own later if you want. I won't take the time. My time's running short. Jeremiah 19 calls it a place of ruin and disaster. Now, this, this other picture on the far right is a picture of Jerusalem with, with different places there named out. But down in the very front of, the, of that picture is of where the valley of Hinnom was. Um, that's where it was. Uh, and, and today there is actually a paved road that goes through there. Uh, today, I, I found that as I was studying. Um, and um, in Isaiah 30 and 33, it is referred to as Topheth, a horrible and fearsome place. Its far pit has been made deep and wide with an abundance of far and wood. Later, the valley was used as a place to contain the garbage and filth of the city. If you heard of Easton's Bible Dictionary, this is what Easton's Bible Dictionary says about this place. Here the dead bodies of animals and of criminals and all kinds of filth were cast and consumed by fire and kept always burning. Thus in the process of time became the image of a place of everlasting destruction. So by Jesus' time, there was no image of Moloch there, but it became the garbage dump by Jesus' time. That's where animals, dogs, and cats, and whatever, uh, donkeys and camels, any kind of animal that died, they th and they kept this far burning. Kind of like, I'm acquainted with it because I used to haul out of it years ago, the old thermal transfer plant in Nashville. Uh, that, that big old fire that, that you know, run everything in downtown Nashville for so many years. They, they kept this place burning, and it, it became known as a detestable place, a place of destruction and everlasting fire. Jesus used Gehenna. Bear with me. I'm going to finish this before I quit tonight. Jesus used Gehenna to illustrate the point about the evil and suffering awaiting those who have not been born again and not in fellowship with God the Father. I mean, as he was teaching all these things, they could, they know, they knew about Gehenna. I mean, that's, that's where they took their, their garbage. I mean, they, I can imagine the foul odor that always came from it and everything. He, he used that to illustrate the point of what's waiting those people who are not born again, who are not in fellowship with God the Father. Jesus mentions Gehenna at least 11 times in the New Testament. And some of the apostles refer to it as well. The word is usually translated hell, even though it um, it's Gehenna, there again. In the King James, it uses the word hell. And you have to study to find out if it's talking about Hades or if it's talking about Gehenna. 
but in no way the same as Hades, which they also translated hell. Hades, and this is the point to remember tonight, Hades is a temporary place while Gehenna is spoken as everlasting. Hades is going to end one day. It's going to end. Uh, This other place is considered everlasting. And Jesus used it to illustrate. Okay, let's move to the other word, to Taurus. And I uh, can't really see the image. I wish that I'd uh, put these up, send them, put up on screen that, that you could see because one, I had to make them so small. But this place, in ancient Greek mythology, to Taurus was a horrible pit of torment in the afterlife. It was lower than even Hades. The Greek word to Taurus appears only once in the entire New Testament, but it's translated hell. It's translated hell, but it's found only one time. But this place is identified as a place of incarceration and torment for fallen angels. Amen. This is a place that's a pit. The book of Revelation, you know, talks about the bottomless pit. Uh, this is a place where fallen angels are held in incarceration waiting for final judgment. The scriptures that I got, I want to show you here. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, there's that word hell. If you didn't look no further, you'd think, well, that's the same thing as everything else you read about hell in the New Testament, but totally different. And delivered them under chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. The Holman Christian Standard Bible. I've got that printed out. The same scripture. Let's read it. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down to Tartarus, see, it it uses the, the word there so it won't confuse people, and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment. All right. That covers where we are so far right now and the main point is that at no time at no time once you leave your body will you ever go into non-existence or unconsciousness but you're going to your conscience is going to continue Now, next week, we're going to get into some good stuff about Abraham's bosom was changed into something else after Jesus died on the cross. While Jesus' body was in the ground for three days, in the grave for three days, Jesus wasn't dead. He was walking around somewhere. (laughs) Woo! He come out. 
with some keys rattling. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. I'm, I may not sit at this table next time. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Yeah. I know some stories and some testimonies that people in Blake. Folks, we all know that heaven is real, but hell is just as real. And it's mentioned more times in different ways than heaven. Amen. Um, I heard a testimony of a man who had an out of body experience. He had a near death experience. And um, he went down. And he went to this same same place and uh, uh, when he when he came back they shocked him got him back to life uh, the, uh, the people working on him said that's these these panels didn't burn him did they like a said no I mean shocked him. his face was burnt so bad, like a really bad sunburn. 
when you came to, he ex- said he he gave a testimony experience. He said that he was when he came out of his body, he started falling and going down, and said he was falling face down into a lake full of fire. And when he come back, he literally his face was it was like somebody been sunk up really bad. That's that's one thing. Yeah, this stuff, people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's all stand together. Appreciate you being here tonight. And um, we are, I think, getting into the meat now uh, of, our, of our lesson. And, um, and, and take the time, a family member, close friend that you know that's not ready to meet to God, call her name out in prayer um, because uh, you know, this thing is real folks, it's real Amen. Father we come tonight, we thank you and praise you for the service, thank you for your word help us all to get a better realization of what torment awaits for those who reject you we know Lord that Hell's not going to be full of people that you have rejected, but full of people who have rejected you. We pray for them who are lost, and we pray that we can be a light. Help somebody to escape that fate. Bless everyone that's here. Keep them safe on the road as they head home. In Jesus' name, with the church say, God bless you. We love you, and we leave.